I'm excited. Today, I'm back in the pulpit. It's been two weeks. I have not been preaching. So some of y'all that are new the last couple of weeks are like, does this guy even like to preach? And the answer is yes, I do uh, very much so. But I'm back in the pulpit now because we're starting a new series. And it is called 70 times 7. Somebody say 70 times 7. Now, if you know what this uh, verse is referencing, it is Matthew 18, where Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive a brother that sins against me? And he says, is it like one or three, five, up to seven times maybe? And then Jesus says, yeah, seven times, but also 70 times seven. Now, my math people out there, how much is 70 times seven? Come on now, how much? 490, okay, you didn't actually know that. You just watched the Veggie Tales. That's how you knew that. 490, come on. I know some of y'all church people out there with me on that one. But 70 times seven, it's called multiplying forgiveness. And so I'm gonna start this series off with a question. Do you know someone who is easily offended? Come on, raise your hand. You know somebody that gets their feelings hurt so easy. You're like, some of y'all are nervous to raise your hand. I saw some of y'all were like, yeah, and your partner's like, pfft put your hand down in the name of Jesus right now because they be sitting right next to you. You go to sleep with these people. You eat with these people. You live your life with these people. They are easily offendable, okay? They get their feelings hurt, right? Maybe it's not the person sitting next to you, but maybe you know your boss and you got to walk on eggshells around them, a coworker that you have to walk on eggshells around all the time. Uh, you know somebody... Uh, in passing that you've seen that you're just like, wow, this person was so mad about something that was like not even a big deal at all. They're easily offended. They get their feelings hurt. So easy. They always have something or someone to complain about. Uh, I know a few of these people. And the truth is, people are more offended now than they have ever been before. And there's a spirit of offense that is just all around the world. It's in our culture, but it's also crept into the church as well. How many of you have noticed that in our world, it's, we live in this nation right now that's divided? And I think largely in part because we have forgotten the art of having a conversation with somebody that we disagree with. Come on, somebody. Like, it is crazy. Not once have I ever seen on Facebook a healthy conversation about politics. Come on, have you ever seen one? Never. Never in the history of Facebook have we ever seen that before. It is just an absolute cesspool of negativity and offense. Somebody starts talking about something they believe in and the other person starts talking about the opposite thing that they believe in and they just start going at it. It would just be every once in a while, every once in a while, I will see one where they just have like a mutual, dis hey, just agree to disagree, a mutual respect for each other's opinions and they leave the conversation like, hey, I still respect you as a person, totally disagree with you. And I'm like, that's still possible? I haven't seen that in so long. It's incredible. And yet, this is what our world has come to. People are getting offended. It's actually so much so that stand-up comedy is actually a dying art because of it. Because they're so nervous about offending people. Actually, comedians will talk to you about the movies. You remember there was a whole lot of comedy movies in the 90s and the early 1000s. And you get into the late you know, 10, uh, you know, 2010s and you start to see some of those comedy movies dropping off. You're not seeing as many nowadays. Why is that? It's because they are nervous about being canceled, y'all. It's so easy to get canceled nowadays. And so... This is the first part of the series on forgiveness. And you might be saying, Pastor, why are we talking about offense before we're talking about forgiveness? Because normally when we do a, a series on forgiveness, you would think we're talking about forgiving others, right? And that's the context of this passage here is how many times should I forgive somebody else, right? So the first one is me times offense. 
Then it's me times myself, me times God, and me times others. How many of you know that sometimes we need to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done in our past, amen? We have to learn how to forgive ourselves and receive forgiveness from God. That's hard. But then there's sometimes we, we have to forgive God. Not that he's done anything wrong, but how many of you have maybe had an unanswered prayer before and you were really mad at God because of it? Or maybe something happened in your life that was really bad and you're like, God, how could you let this happen? You might need to learn how to forgive God. And then the last one is finally me times others, how to forgive other people. But the very first message I'm doing is me times offense because I believe uh, when we talk about uh, forgiveness, we have to start here. Because if we start with talking about forgiving other people, then I guarantee you all week, y'all gonna be going around forgiving people for things that they didn't even do. I promise you, you're gonna be forgiving people for things that you probably should have just gotten over. Come on, somebody. You're gonna be forgiving people for all kinds of things. And they're like, yo, I didn't even do anything to you. What are you talking about? It's because you're living with the spirit of offense. And we gotta deal with the inner self. We gotta deal with your attitude and my attitude first so that then we can understand forgiveness through the correct lens. So you'll go around doing something like, I forgive you. And this person over here will be like, um, for what? <laughs> One time at church, you made a really weird face at me. And, you know, I've been holding on to that ever since then. And I just wanted to let you know I was very upset about it. But you know what? I forgive you. Come again? Yeah, I forgive you. I just I want to let you know I forgive you. Okay, when was this? Four months ago. <laughs> How many of y'all know some church people be holding on to some stuff? I mean, come on now. Are you for real? I don't even remember that. Honestly, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean anything. I was probably just having a bad morning or hadn't had my coffee or something like that. Or I don't really know what, what's going on. And it had nothing to do with you, though. I can promise you that. Well, Pastor Trevor preached on forgiveness. So I just wanted to make sure that you knew uh, that you are forgiven. So consider yourself forgiven. No, dude, you need to stop being so offended and get your feelings hurt so easy and stop being so sensitive. Well, how dare you? I'm offended that you would think of me that way. Come on, you know that's the conversation that would happen if we didn't start talking about offense first. Because our attitude is so important when we talk about the conversation of forgiveness. Um, I wanted to give you some examples of things that people get offended at because we're not talking about real hurts. Okay, we're not talking about things really that people have done to get, you know, Ms. Jana's up here talking about, hey, if you've been hurt, you know, if you, Pastor Kevin two weeks ago preached on sexual abuse. You know how many stories we've heard from women and men alike that have come forward saying that was so powerful. I, I've never gotten over this. I've never felt like I've received forgiveness or given forgiveness. And, and how many of you know that's a real hurt? That, that, that's tough. That is hard to forgive. This is not what we're talking about today. Okay, I just want to say that right off the bat. What we're talking about is one time someone got offended when I put on my seatbelt. She thought I was commenting on her ability to drive. For real? You got offended by that? I had a coworker who got mad at me because I asked her not to tickle me. She flipped out saying, Everyone likes to be tickled, but luckily my boss had my back. Y'all, that's weird. Don't be tickling people at work. I'm offended that that story exists. Good Lord. One Easter Sunday, a lady came in wearing a hat with an Easter bunny, chicks, and colored eggs as a part of the design. I can't. The woman in the pew behind her took offense, telling her 
Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, not about silly rabbits, chicks, and eggs. Come on, some of y'all know that person there might be sitting next to you right now. Church people sometimes get offended about stuff. You know what I'm saying? We got to talk about it today, all right? A lot of times we have altar calls and, you know, people are at the front crying and receiving freedom and forgiveness today. Today, I might cut a little deep, but I hope that's okay because sometimes I think we need that. Amen? Sometimes I think we just need the truth of God to, like, cut us, take out something, put back in the Holy Spirit, and mend it all back up. That's what I hope to do with you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, help us to squash the spirit of offense in the name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen. So uh, you can see I'm not talking about the real, real hurts. We're going to talk about that in week four, but I want to get through this stuff first. Talking about being offended, having your feelings hurt easily. And like I said, if, if we don't talk about it first, you're going to be forgiving people for things they didn't do for things that they did not mean and things that you probably just need to get over. In Proverbs 19, 11, it says, good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook an offense. To be slow to anger, to not immediately jump to the keyboard, right? How awful. Can't believe you said that. Get your phone out. Somebody sends you a text message. Text messages are hard because you can't see the tone. You don't know how they said it, but sometimes you think, you think that they said it the bad way when really they meant it not in a bad way whatsoever. If you always take it the bad way, you might be living with the spirit of offense. Come on, somebody. If you're always thinking that when somebody says something that it, it, they're out to get you, that the world is against you, that people are against you, you might be living with the spirit of offense. And it says it's good sense to be slow to anger. And it's in your glory to overlook an offense real or perceived offense, right? So I have another question for you today, and I don't need you to raise your hand. It's a little bit rhetorical, but some of y'all might be in this place today. You might identify with this. How many of y'all are grade A grudge holders? Come on, let me see you. If you're willing to say it, you hold a grudge. You see none of y'all be willing to admit that, okay? A couple of people, yes, all right. You hold grudge. When somebody does something against you, let me tell you, let me be honest. If, you do, if somebody does something against you that hurts your feelings, you will remember it for weeks, if not months, if not years. You could go back to a friend that you've been hanging out with for five years and be like, hey, you remember that one time that you said that one thing? And they'd be like, are you for real? Are you honestly still thinking about that? We're like, yeah, dude, that was annoying. And like, bro, let it go. That was a long time ago. Like, why are we still thinking about this? Why are we still talking about this? And yet so many people can hold grudges for a very long time. You grudge holders, man, you have not only perfected the art of being offended, but also how to stay offended for a long period of time. So well done. That's incredible. Offense, what will it do? It will cut off communication. It will cut off communication. Without healthy communication between two people, man, there cannot be forgiveness. We know that. So Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Now, Solomon is writing this with this picture of a castle. It says fortified city, but what does it mean? It means a castle. Some translations will say castle. And, and he has this picture in his mind, and he's saying it's so hard to win somebody back from being offended that it's like you're having to charge a castle and trying to overtake it. Someone who's prideful can't admit that they're upset over something that maybe wasn't even a big deal in the first place. Now, what I want you to look at is notice who's on the inside of the castle. 
the person who was offended. So what happens here? Who's the one that's behind the bars of the gate, the locked gate? It's the offended one. Well, the Greek word for offense is actually scandalon. Somebody say scandalon. You just learned some Greek. Praise God. All right, here we go. Scandalon in its original term was a trap or a snare. It actually was a thing. It was the trigger arm of an animal trap. So, you know, if you set up a trap, what do you do? Like you have the little mouse trap and you have the trigger arm that goes and actually like triggers, snaps on the leg of the animal, whatever it is, a mouse, a bear, whatever it might be, okay? Scandalon was the actual trigger that when the bait was laid, the animal tried to take the bait, bam, the trigger would get him. So it also translates into the word scandal that we have today. But here's the deal. Are you seeing a pattern here? What does Solomon say? He says it's like a castle. It's like a fortified castle. And who's on the inside of it? The offended one. There's this bait, John Bevere puts it, he calls it the bait of Satan. That offense is literally the bait of Satan. That Satan would love nothing more than for a believer to take the bait of Satan and to get trapped on the inside of offense. It traps you. It then becomes your prison and there's walls all up around you. You've put gates in front of you and pushed people away. You might be thinking, I'm right and they're wrong. And maybe you are, but you're also alone because you're offended and you're pushing people away from you. And Satan would love nothing more than to plant the seed of offense in the heart of a believer. And it really is a seed. It starts out small. It starts out as something that's not really a big deal and you get mad about something, but you get to choose whether it has a place in your heart or not. Many people think that offense is something that happens to them, but listen, offense is a choice. Come on, somebody say amen. Offense is a choice. You allow it to happen within your heart. It's not given. That's why we always say, I take offense to that, right? I take offense to that. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you allow in you. Like when I say that Whataburger is better than In-N-Out, some of you unsaved people might take offense to that, right? It's not my fault that you're taking offense to that. You're just wrong and you're upset about it, right? You know, so that's how it is. No, come on. I'm just joking. Listen, offense isn't given. It's taken. It's, It's allowed. And it's the reason that two people can be, let's say you're in a group and there's two people that are in a conversation with, with another person, right? And one will leave thinking nothing of the conversation, like it wasn't that big of a deal. There wasn't any, nothing weird happened. But then the other person will leave the conversation huffing and puffing, talking about, well, did you hear when he said that? Did you hear when she said, did you see how she looked when she said that? She's like, the world's out to get you. Like you're taking offense to literally everything. And the other person's like, what are you talking about? I didn't get that from that conversation at all. And they're like, how did you not? You know, it's like, because you're living with the spirit of fence. One person took the bait. One person allowed offense in their heart and the other person did not. So after Satan plants offense, what happens next? Well, over time it grows roots, right? When you plant a seed, what's the next thing that happens? It doesn't grow up first, it grows down. So it grows roots. You ruminate on it, you think about it, you meditate on it, and you become what? Angry. You become angry. And there's all kinds of verses about anger, danger, but we don't got time for those today. But anger becomes the norm. And over time, these roots of anger will lock you in and they will push out of the dirt a life of bitterness. That's what you'll end up with. It's a life of anger, 
a life of bitterness. And how did it all start? With the tiny little seeds of offense being planted in your life, you allowing it in your heart and in your mind over the years. I put it like this, if you are taking notes, unaddressed offense will multiply into a lifetime of bitterness. Unaddressed offense will multiply into a lifetime of bitterness. Simply put, bitterness will destroy your heart. And if you stay bitter, you will never get better. There's no way. So how do we know that this is true? Anybody know an angry old man? Come on now, be honest. You know an angry old man? I know a couple. There was a guy, he's in service right now. And he was like, why are you talking to me? Like, he's like, he's like why are you talking to me? I'm, a, you know, I've got some bitterness in my heart. He's like, I felt like you were talking right to me today. And I was like, man, we don't have to stay the same way. We could get better. And he was like, well, man, I got to deal with this, right? But I'm sure you know some people, an angry old woman, you know, an angry man. A lot of times, you know, people don't start off angry. Like kids, a lot of times, they don't start off angry. Many times it, it develops over years and years and years. Why? Because they've allowed offenses to build up over time that turns into anger. And they start becoming angry. And then as they get older, and finally by the time you're in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, man, you're just an angry, bitter person. Because you've allowed it over time to change the trajectory of your life. So I knew an angry old man, uh, not my dad. He was in here earlier. And he was like, whoa, hold on now, son. Um, I know an angry old man. You wouldn't think that this guy would be angry because he had it all. This dude had everything. He had all the money, all the fame, all the women, all the stuff, the recognition, all of it. And his name is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yes, the famous basketball player. He won six NBA championships, six finals MVPs, five MVP awards, arguably the best basketball player of all time. But now... He is one of the angriest, most bitter old men. And it's awful. It's bad. And his Hall of Fame induction, back it was like 2008, 2009, all right? His Hall of Fame induction. This is an incredible accomplishment. He's getting into the Hall of Fame. Of course, everybody knew he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. Everybody's excited to hear what he's going to have to say in his speech. You know, speech, speech, come on, like Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time, going to give his Hall of Fame induction speech. You know what he does during his speech? The entire time, all he did was trash every other person that ever said anything bad about him. He just ripped into all of his opponents. He ripped into people, uh, into reporters and other people that said mean things about him or that said that he was never good enough, this, that, and the other. All he did was trash everybody all around him. It was so negative that people left the speech being like, ah, that was very uncomfortable. But dude, this is supposed to be a happy moment. And because over all of these years, you have allowed the offenses of other people to build up. Reporters and, and people saying, well, maybe, maybe he's not the greatest of all time. Maybe it's LeBron James. And then he gets more and more and more bitter. And he brings up all of this stuff and just tries to detract from everybody else. And it makes him just look like an angry, bitter old man. It's like, dude, you had it all. We all respect you. Your game was incredible. But why you got to act like this is because he was an angry person. And as he got older, it turned into a life of bitterness. It was awful. Adrian Wojnarowski, who's a, a reporter for sports, he said what fueled his fury as a 30-something now fuels his bitterness at 50. That's awful. And there was a title of, a, of an article that I read. It said, Michael Jordan bashes LeBron James. Is MJ just a bitter old man? 
He says, if you've been paying attention to his life after basketball, then you might come to the conclusion that Jordan is no more than just a bitter old man. That was in 2010, y'all. And it's just gotten worse since then. Let me tell you, when you live in unforgiveness, when you live easily offended, you can have all of the stuff that the world has to offer you. You can have all the money, you can have all the fame, you can have all the people, all the success, everything, all the, the accolades in the entire world. But if you live with the fence in your heart, it will turn into anger and you will end up being bitter and alone. I can promise you that. The same way that Michael Jordan did. There's a movie called Black Hawk Down. If you've seen it, it's incredible, it's intense. But there's an intense firefight at one point and the captain tells one of the soldiers, they're under intense fire in this scene. He says, get in the truck and drive. And he says, sir, I can't, I've been shot. And he says, we've all been shot, let's go. Everybody's shot. Get in the truck and let's drive. We've all been shot, not physically, but we have all been shot with a dirty look before. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You had that dirty look over at you from across the room and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, like they are so mad right now. You've had a dirty word said to you before, mean, unkind words. All of us, if you live in this area long enough, will experience being cut off at I-35 at some point in your life. And you will have a decision to make on whether you will give them the bird or forgiveness. Come on. Can you keep driving in that moment and not have bitterness and, and offense well up within you in that moment, right? Man, I remember the first time I was driving with my dad. One of the first times I was driving. I was 15 years old. I had my permit, right? And I get cut off by this dude. I was trying to take a right turn at a red light and he was coming across the bridge over I-35. It always has I-35, God. Anyway, so I-35 and he's trying to take a left over the bridge. And you're supposed to, you know, like you do this action. Go out here and then we get in our lanes and we just go on our merry ways. And yet, that's not what happened. This dude thought that he could go over the bridge and just go all the way over into the right lane where I was trying to turn right. Obviously a traffic violation on his part. And yet this dude thinks that I did something wrong. And so he starts yelling at me. He's honking his horn. And then he reaches out his window and gives me the bird. And then my dad is sitting next to me. Now he's all mad. He's, he's reaching over and honking the horn at this guy, yelling at him like, what do you think you're doing? You know, that's my son. Like, he's like so mad at this guy. And me, what am I doing the whole time? I am laughing my butt off, y'all. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, this dude, what's wrong with him? Why is he so angry? This is so funny. I've always wanted this to happen. This is so, this actually happens in real life. People are this mad. Oh my goodness. And I was like, dad, it's fine. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. How many of y'all know that sometimes we get offended for other people that aren't even offended? We get mad for other people. Keyboard warriors. Come on, there's somebody in your life that you feel like they have an injustice against them and you take it upon yourself to be mad and offended for them and for everybody else. Listen, let me tell you, the only person that hurts is you. You know, this other person, they've done an offense against me. My dad was getting offended for me and I'm sitting here, I'm totally fine. The only people that had more anger built up in that moment was the other two people. It wasn't even me. And I was the one that had something done against me. Listen, I was still driving the car. I wasn't offended. I got in the car and drove, right? I had that happen to me. It wasn't even a big deal. It didn't affect me whatsoever because I didn't let the seed of offense take root in my heart. Now, I wish that was always the case. I have not always been so perfect in my response to moments where I could have chosen to take offense. But 
in that moment, I did not take the bait of Satan. We've all been shot by people's words, right? Like we've all been wounded by different things. But let me tell you, and this is the kicker, none of us have been wounded as much as Jesus Christ. Amen? Not one of us. As Pastor Tim comes on back up, we can close here in a moment. Jesus was stripped naked. He was beat. He was whipped. His beard was pulled out. There were nails in his hands and feet. And he was hung on a cross to die. In all of the trash talk that Michael Jordan has ever had to endure in his entire career was nothing compared to what Jesus had to endure. Do you realize that Jesus probably had more trash talk against him than anybody else ever? All of the time. Go through the Gospels. Look at it for yourself. Constantly ridiculed by the Pharisees. Constantly ridiculed by the Sadducees constantly talked down to or said he's doing something wrong. And all the time, all he's trying to do is just help people. He's trying to love people. He's trying to serve people. And yet constantly he's being talked down to like he's doing something wrong. And then he gets all the way to the point where there's an actual criminal and him. And they say, release the criminal, kill Jesus. For real? You know how easy it would have been for Jesus to take offense at that? And then they do all this awful stuff to him and he was made fun of. He was laughed at. They sarcastically then shoved a crown of thorns on his head to symbolize him being a king. And then above that crown, as he hung on the cross, there was a sign and it said, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. That's a pretty sick burn, honestly. Because people had said that this is, this, is the, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is going to be the new king. He's going to be the one to overthrow uh, the Roman government. He's going to restore everything. And yet there he was hanging on the cross. Made fun of. And, and you gotta, you got to remember this, guys. I think sometimes we have this visual picture of Jesus. And, and he has these robes on. And it's this, you know, while he's hanging on the cross and everything. No, no, no. He was absolutely naked on the cross. They did that to humiliate people. He was utterly and completely humiliated on the cross in every sense of the word. People would walk by. This was a a standard thing for them when they would crucify criminals. They would put them in a public place where people could see them high up and they would actually have, where they would walk by and people would see the criminals hanging on the cross to just humiliate them even more. Jesus was then made fun of. He would be spit on. The Roman soldiers are laughing at him. His own people, the Jewish people are laughing at him. All kinds of offenses. Jesus had the opportunity to take more offense than any of you or me would have ever had the opportunity to take. And yet he took none of it. What did he do when he was on the cross? What did he say? All this stuff was happening to him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. It was in his glory to overlook every single offense. And it is in your glory to overlook any offense. I know it's hard, I know it's tough, but I think we gotta start here. Satan wants to trap you in offense. 
He wants you to take the bait of Satan, but Jesus wants to set you free today, amen? He wants to change your attitude. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind to where you don't become a bitter old man, to where you don't become a bitter old woman. But God wants to set you free right here, right now from just a bad attitude. Listen, there's nothing glorious about having a bad attitude. When we need to have a good attitude, some of y'all looking at your kids right now like, amen, praise God, hallelujah. Come on, but seriously, we need to have a good attitude. We need to check ourselves. Say, man, where am I at fault here? Am I easily offended? Am I always mad at people? Do people have to walk on eggshells around me? Because that's not the model that Jesus gives us, right? And I think we have to start here. If we're gonna start forgiving other people for the hurts that they have caused us, we gotta make sure that our attitude and we are humble enough to admit, hey, listen, I've done some things wrong too. That's what the Bible says. Don't worry about the speck in their eye when you got a plank in your own eye. Let's address the plank first, right here, right now. And then we'll go talk about forgiving other people. Would you stand with me today? I put it this way, you can't move forward in forgiveness until you leave behind offense. You're not gonna be able to move forward. And what we do not confront, we cannot change. So I just want you to confront unforgiveness within you. I want you to confront offense that has been welling up. If you're somebody that does hold grudges and you're holding on to things that really weren't even that big of a deal, like you're fighting with people about stuff that doesn't even matter, dude, that's an attitude problem that we gotta work on. And listen, I'm telling you, I think all of us have had this problem at one point or another, but some of you, you know that it has become a pattern within you. And if you let that pattern continue, the roots of anger will lock you in and you will end up becoming a bitter person. I can promise you that. So let's address it at the very beginning. Let's address the root problem, the seed of offense that Satan's trying to plant within us. Let's say, listen, I'm not gonna take it. Just like Jesus, he didn't take it. He pushed it away. He said, no, that's not for me. So Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. That's where you have to start, guys. Remembering that Jesus has forgiven me of so much. I'm in deserving of death just as much as anybody else because of my sin against God. And so today, right now, I wanna give you the opportunity to ask for forgiveness for yourself of saying, man, maybe I need an attitude adjustment. Maybe I need to get over some offenses. Maybe I need to go talk with somebody and ask for forgiveness, say, hey, I'm so sorry. I said this the wrong way or I was taking things that you've been saying the wrong way and man, can we make this thing right? Can we make this relationship right again? Because I feel like there's some people in here that need to do that. Listen, Jesus did not take offense, so neither should I. He didn't die so that we could live offended. He died so that we could live in freedom, amen? So it starts with us. Are you holding a grudge against your spouse? People that are married, come on, we gotta have this conversation. You're easily offended by your spouse. It's the easiest person to be offended by. Somebody said amen. I understand, but we cannot live that way. You go on living that way, what happens? Resentment. Resentment turns to anger, or sometimes it turns to just pulling away completely. I'm done. I don't want that for your marriage. I don't want that for your relationship. So we gotta address it right now, amen?
Would you bow your heads with me today? If that's you and you realize that you're somebody, hey, I, I'm, I am bitter or I'm angry or I have a fence that's building up within me. It's a pattern of life. Not just something I do every once in a while, but it's a pattern that I can see within me right now. Would you just be humble enough to admit it to God right now? Would you have the boldness and courage to admit that you need a, an attitude adjustment? Or maybe there's somebody in your life, maybe it's just one person. Might, may not be everybody else, or maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's just one person in your life that you are bitter or you're holding offenses against that person. And you know that you need to let those things go. If that's you and you'd have the courage and boldness to say, hey, that's me. I'm gonna drop that off at the foot of the cross today. I don't wanna live like this. I wanna have peace in my mind, peace in my heart. I'm gonna live in forgiveness, not in bitterness. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three, if that's you. Come on, I see you all over the room. Yes, wow, a lot of people today. Man, we're, we're getting better. We're not gonna be bitter. We're gonna get better today, right here, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, you can put your hands down. Father God, I thank you for every hand that just went up today. Lord, I don't know what their story is. I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know why they've chosen to raise their hand today, but God, they're bold enough to say, Lord, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need an attitude adjustment. There's somebody in my life I need to go to and to talk to. Ask for forgiveness from them. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us not to be bitter, but that we would live in a place of forgiveness and of peace and of joy in our lives. You didn't die so that we can be offended. And the whole time that you were being crucified, Jesus, not once did you take the bait of Satan. Not once did you take offense against the people that were literally murdering you. And that's so hard for us to even understand. But God, I pray that you would help us to live like you, to model forgiveness, to model what it means to not be offended by every little thing, that we can live in peace with one another. And so I thank you, God, for every person here today. Would you seal this word in their hearts? If they need to have a conversation, God bless that conversation. Give them the right words to say when they get there. Your word says that we don't gotta worry about what we will say, but your Holy Spirit will guide us. So Holy Spirit, would you guide their words in that conversation to bring healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. And maybe there's somebody in here today as well that you just need to get right with God. I talked about how Jesus went to the cross for your sins and for my sins. You know, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is perfect. He is holy. Sin is actually offensive to God. Sin is, is evil in God's eyes. And yet he chose to send his son Jesus anyway for you and for me. And the ultimate act of saying, listen, I'm not offended by you. I love you. I care for you. And I'll send my only son, Jesus, to die for you. Even if you never serve me, even if you never acknowledge me. And he still did it anyway. Jesus went to the cross, died, but rose again on the third day. I mean, all you gotta do is turn away from your sin, turn away from your old way of life and say yes to Jesus today. Maybe you need to get right with God. You've known him before, but you've gone away. Or maybe you need to get right with God and ask for forgiveness for yourself for the very first time. And if that's you, I wanna give you the opportunity to live a life of joy, peace, and hope in him. It's not gonna be a perfect life, y'all, but it's gonna be a beautiful life where God is fighting on your behalf. He's with you. He is for you. He's not against you. He loves you. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. You want to get right with God today? That's you. You say, Pastor Trevor, that's me. I see you in the back. I see you. Just look up at me too. I want to know who I'm praying for. Right here. I see you, man. Right here. Come on. Right here, my man. Love you, man. Absolutely. Come on. Anybody else? 
That's four or five people already. Come on, anybody else want to get right with God today? Beautiful. I see you guys. You can put your hands down. Incredible, incredible. Hey, would we all pray this prayer together as an act of solidarity with those that are giving their hearts to Jesus? Come on, say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. I don't have the right to be offended. You never took offense at my sin. Instead, you died for me. But I believe that you rose again on the third day. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. Change me and make me new. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen in the house of God today. Give it up for God. Four or five people. Had four or five in first service, about 10 people getting right with God today. That's what it's all about, amen.